And I believe we're going to see, if we're willing and hungry, we're going to see unity across the body of Christ like we've never seen before. God wants to use a united, pure, undefiled bride in his kingdom. And he's pouring out something special. He's pouring out living water. Take a moment and stand with me. Lord Jesus, we ask for the same hunger in this congregation. I release the floodgates of heaven that each and every one here would hunger and thirst for righteousness, that they would seek you first beyond all else. God, you're raising up a kingdom. You're raising up a people. God, you are going to be displayed in your might through sons and daughters who are rising up in your kingdom. I release the same blessing, the same favor. It's not limited to Asbury University. Your kingdom reigns. Your name is high and lifted up. I pray that it be poured out on this congregation. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. I have to ask real quick. Is there anyone in this room? I feel like there might be someone who at this moment is going through some deep depression. But it's not normally this bad, but today it's pretty bad and that a lot of people don't even know you're going through it. And it might even have to do with a physical ailment or an injury. Can I just ask if that's anyone in this room? If you'd be bold enough to raise your hand. God wants to bring freedom today. There should never be a moment where people are afraid to be transparent in his house. Because there's freedom in his house. Is that anyone? It just says, I want to be free from depression. Amen. What's your name? Aaron. God, we declare freedom from depression over Aaron in Jesus' name. That by your blood that was shed, you have brought freedom and restoration and redemption. I speak blessing and favor over Aaron's life. I pray healing over his body. God, that you would move powerfully in his life. We break off the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we release life and life abundantly right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come. You are worthy. Jesus' name, amen. God loves to call people you would never expect. Just like he loves to use a no-name university and a no-name town and no-name speakers and no-name worship directors to pour out his spirit. He loves to use people like David, who was unqualified. Abraham and Sarah, who were too old, they were past their time. Joseph, who had been abandoned and forgotten. Rahab, who was a prostitute. Gideon, who was a coward. Moses, who didn't speak well. Mary, who was young and unmarried. Matthew, who had betrayed his people by becoming a tax collector. Simon the Zealot, who would have hated Matthew for being a tax collector. John, who was young. Peter, who was uneducated. Saul, who was a murderer. 
And even after he became Paul, he wasn't trusted by the body of Christ. He loves to use people who you'd never expect. Where are my youth and young adults at? Raise your hand. God is looking to use young people. So many on that list were young when they first received the call. 15, 16, 17. There's a reason the enemy is coming so hard after the youth of our nation. Because God has incredible plans for them. Romans 8, 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. You know that creation is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to rise up, to display his nature and his character, to be a reflection of Jesus. Creation is waiting eagerly for that. And the sons and daughters of God are not revealed if no one knows you or what's inside of you or whose you are. It's not as much about who you are, but whose you are. In order to truly be revealed, it has to be outside these four walls. Sons and daughters going into the kingdom, expanding the kingdom as ambassadors with a calling on their life. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We're called to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. So the question is, what's the call? We see callings over all kinds of different characters in the Bible. We see callings over all kinds of different people. If you're a son and you're a daughter, you've been called up. No doubt about that. Called up for a purpose. We're called to be crucified with Christ, redeemed by his grace, filled with the spirit, to walk in the authority of Christ himself, to go therefore and make disciples of all nations no matter what the discomfort or the persecution. When you give your life to Christ, you've been called for a purpose. And sometimes God likes to use us in impossible situations. When we understand that God likes to use us in impossible situations, it makes those situations a little easier. And this is why, how often do we look at an impossible situation and we think, God, how could you let this happen? Moses at the Red Sea, how could you let this happen? We were supposed to be home free. All the people wanted to go back to Egypt. When God's saying, if you hang in there with me, I've got something far better than what you thought. He loves to use his people in impossible situations. If we're asking that question, God, why would you let this happen? We're probably thinking too small in his kingdom. Because he knows we're not able to overcome the impossible situation. He's not looking to us for our strength in those situations. 
That's why he doesn't ask us to do it on our own. He's looking for willingness. Are there people who are willing to step out into the greater things that I have in store? So he calls us and then also equips us. How does he do that? There's one common denominator through all those different characters we talked about earlier. It was that God Almighty was among them and upon them to fulfill what God was doing. He didn't call them up and send them out and say, come back when you're done. He called to them, they responded, and then he equipped them with everything that was needed. It wasn't about them. It was always about him. It wasn't about the circumstances. It wasn't about their life. It wasn't about their resources. It was the fact that they were walking in step with the King of Kings, the King of glory. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He who calls you is faithful. And it's he who will surely do it. You've been called by a God who's looking for willing hearts. And when he finds a willing heart, he equips them with his spirit. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The call was to be a witness to the whole earth. To do that, they would have to have the Spirit of God. They would have to be clothed in power. How could we not want the fullness of the Spirit of God resting upon us? How could we not want the full equipping of the King of Kings when he sends us out? A few verses before, in verse 4, it says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. He knew what they were called to. He knew what they would face. But he says, wait, you're going to need something very significant. Wait for the promise. Wait for the Spirit to be poured out. Because if we're running without the Holy Spirit, flowing through us, resting upon us, we're either very brave to think that we could do it on our own, or we're not walking in the fullness of what God has for us. Because you can absolutely do good things your whole life without ever stepping into the fullness of what God desires for your life. You can fill a lot of time. You can accomplish a lot of goals in the kingdom. But if you're not directly dependent 
on the supernatural power of God on your life, if you're not facing impossible things, it's probably not the fullness of the God we read about in scripture because he hasn't changed. So we need the spirit of God in his fullness. When God calls and he pours out his spirit, he looks at things differently than the world. We're gonna look at David's life. Very common story. We all heard it growing up in Sunday school. But in 1 Samuel 16, Saul has disobeyed God and God is looking to anoint the next king of Israel. So he takes Samuel the prophet and he sends him. Says, go and I'll show you who I want to anoint next. So he arrives at the house, oldest brother comes and Samuel thinks for sure, this is the guy. It's gotta be him. He looks the part. He's got the stature, the strength, the leadership capability. Easy. That's him. God says, nope. And he go through, goes through all of David's brothers. Not him either. We get to 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So then Samuel gets through all the brothers. He doesn't get the green light. He goes to his father and he says, do you have any other sons? There's gotta be someone, because it's not these guys. And his own father basically says, oh yeah, he's out in the field, but don't worry about him. He, he couldn't possibly be the one. David didn't even get invited to the party invited to the meeting with Samuel. He was just out with the sheep. So Samuel says, no, you got to bring him here. We're not even going to sit until he gets here. David gets there. And in verse 13, it says, and the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Okay, we've read it before. We know that verse. Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. Let's not overlook the monumental moment. This is the God of the universe who in the beginning spoke and light came forth, not just light, Light traveling at 186,000 miles a second, fast enough that it could go around the earth seven times in the blink of an eye, in one second. The great I am, Yahweh, the spirit of God rushed upon him. That's no ordinary day. He created hundreds of billions of galaxies, each galaxy with hundreds of billions of stars. Yet he called David out by name and said, this is him. In the same way that he calls you out by name. 
So by pouring out his spirit, God was already equipping him for what he would need in Saul's courts. He was already equipping him for what he would need when he faced Goliath. He was already equipping him for what he'd need 15 years later when he actually finally became king. God called, David was willing. God poured out his spirit to equip him and everything that would come forth from there that he didn't even know yet. And the very next verse, verse 14, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. That's a scary thought. Saul had disobeyed, Saul wasn't willing. And so God looked for someone who was willing and he found it in David, in the heart of a young shepherd boy. As sons and daughters with God's spirit upon us, we then function through the authority of Jesus, through God's authority, not our own, not our qualification, not our education, our intellect, our strength, but we get to walk marked by the spirit of God. So then we get to chapter 17. Now the Israelite army is terrified because they're face to face with a giant in the Philistine ranks. It says in verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid because David was walking with the Holy Spirit resting upon him, the Spirit of God on his shoulders, he saw the situation differently. What everyone else saw is fear and terror. He walks up and wonders what's going on with everyone. He doesn't understand the situation. In verse 26, he says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In a different translation in NASB, it says that he has dared to defy the armies of the living God. Everyone's shrinking back in terror. He walks up and he thinks, how dare this man? Does he know who he stands against? Does he know he has no authority against the living God? David doesn't understand why everyone's cowering. It's like in Romans 8:31. If God is for us, who could be against us? Who could possibly stand against the living God? These simple truths, we've heard them all. What if we actually believed them? We get to verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. What if we approach the giants in our life the same way? How dare you stand against what God is doing? When we step out, when we respond to the call and we get hit with an impossible situation and we know that God is moving on the other side of that, that he's gonna open up a way, how dare you stand before the living God? Do you not know who you are defying? David saw the situation differently with the spirit of God resting upon him. It even goes on to say that David ran towards Goliath. He wasn't waiting around trying to waste time it didn't matter if it was Goliath. It didn't matter if it was the seven-headed dragon. It was all the same to him. 
a counterfeit standing in front of the true God. Saul tries to give him all his armor and his weaponry. He says, no, I can't. I can't use this. He goes and he grabs some stones. David was first called and anointed. Then he began responding to the call in Saul's courts, responding to the call with Goliath because he'd been equipped. So what if we approach the giants we face with the same mentality? As we step out into a calling, as we listen, God, what are you doing? How do you want to use my life? We allow him to direct us. We encounter obstacles. What if we had the same mentality that David did? Luke 10, 19, behold, this is Jesus, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Whose authority is it? It's Jesus. Who's the one that does the trampling? It's us. Through that authority. Romans 16, 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan's head under your feet. Who's doing the crushing? God is. Whose feet is it? Your feet. God is sovereign. He's almighty. Therefore, he can choose how he wants to do things in his kingdom. And guess what? He chose you. He desires you. He desires to flow through you, to anoint you, to pour out his spirit upon you. He desires to crush the head of Satan through your feet. Not that he couldn't do it himself, but it's what he desires. This is a season where God is simply looking for willing people. People who will take him at his word. Not just gloss over the easy things, gloss over the things we've heard a lot before, but will actually take him at his word and obey in the direction he calls us. Because he can cover whatever shortcomings you have. Wherever you're unqualified, I became a senior pastor when I was 29 with one Bible school class to my name. Talk about being unqualified. God's not concerned with the qualifications when he calls. God's not concerned with the details that we try to map out in our minds. If we're only willing to step when we've figured out the details, it's not his call anymore. It's not the fullness of what he's wanting to do. We've minimized it into a piece that we can figure out. I'm going to invite the worship team to make their way back up. We're going to move back into a time of worship. And we're going to ask a simple question. Because sometimes people don't 
step into a calling because they actually haven't taken the time to listen to what God is saying. Sometimes the scariest part is actually being willing to listen. Because what if God said something? What if God called me out? What if he called me up? God's looking for willing hearts that'll go to him full abandon. Say, God, I'll follow you no matter what the cost. But this is the question we're going to ask him. God, if you had a blank slate with my life, what would you put on my plate? Doesn't matter what I've been doing. Doesn't matter where my family lineage is from or what they did. Doesn't matter what I have the resources for. Doesn't matter what I'm qualified for. Doesn't matter what degree I have. Doesn't matter how many kids I have. Doesn't matter how easy or hard it would be to relocate. I think it's funny. Someone told me when I, when I decided to move to Washington, which was not just like a decision I would make. Anthony didn't just say, hey, come move up to Seattle. I was like, no, I don't want to move to Seattle. My initial impression. But someone told me, they're like, Seth, it's amazing that you can do stuff like that because you're a single guy. I'm like, really? You think that God just can't fit the bill for a family to move? He's like, oh, I'll take Seth because he's a little cheaper. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he's just going to use the single people. Whatever the circumstance, God's looking for people who are willing to ask a simple question. God, if I came to you with open hands, if I gave you a completely empty slate, what is it you would put on my plate? It could be very different than what you're doing right now. It could be much bigger than what you're doing right now. It could be unexpected. It could seem like it's not exciting. To me, Seattle was not exciting. Now, greatest adventure of my life. Would not change it. But in the moment, it was not what I wanted. When I was 21, I ended up in a hospital, day four in a hospital bed. Not enough time to share the story today. Day four, the doctors come in, they say, we don't know what's wrong with you, we're gonna start testing for cancer. It makes you think a little bit when you hear that report from a couple doctors. I laid in the hospital bed and I immediately thought, if I was to die at the age of 21 of cancer, what would I have to look back on? I'd, been, I'd known Jesus since I was 13. For the last eight years, I loved Jesus. I ran after Jesus. But when I thought back, I realized how much I had wasted as a believer. For my own vanity, my own plans, my own expectations, the things I wanted. It wasn't that I didn't love Jesus, but I wasn't walking fully abandoned to him and what he wanted to do. In that moment, I realized that if I was to die at the age of 21, a bunch of things I had wasted my time on would pass away. They'd get forgotten. The only thing I would have was Jesus. And from that moment forward, I realized I don't want to live for my own purposes anymore. I don't want 
to just go around doing good things that seem nice. I say, God, I'll go wherever you call me. Doesn't matter where. I'm done living for myself in this Christian bubble. I'll go wherever you call, you say the word. From that point, life got a lot more interesting. Incredible, but much harder. Took me all over the place. But there is nothing greater than walking in the fullness of what God has for your life. Walking in step with his timing, filled with his spirit, getting to see God remove mountains, do the impossible. There's nothing greater. Go ahead and stand with me. God, if you had a blank slate with my life, what would you put on my plate as we go back into worship? You might be coming from one of two camps. You might already know what God's calling you to. God may have already been working it in your heart. And you know you heard that still small voice. You heard that whisper. And it's scary. You don't know all the details. You don't know how all the pieces are going to fit together. It could be a new season, new job, new trajectory, whatever it is. If that's you, I want you to come up. We want to pray for you as we just worship and lay it before him, open hands. Then you might also be someone who you're not sure yet. Maybe you don't know what God's calling you to. but you're willing to listen. You're willing to go to God and say, even if I'm not comfortable with what you say, God, I'll listen. I'm willing to obey. Whichever of those two camps you're coming from, I want you to come to the front as we worship. You can take time with the Lord yourself, but we wanna pray for you. God is looking for willing people, for sons and daughters who are ready to stand and be revealed to the world, which is eagerly awaiting them. Who's ready to step into the unexpected things, recognizing that this God has not changed. These aren't just history stories. It's not just a history book. The same God who raised Daniel up in the Babylonian empire, the same God who made Joseph the number two in command, the same God that parted the seas, the same God that gave the son of God to be birthed through a young teenage girl. He's calling each and every one of you. He's got a specific purpose. It's not comfortable, but it is so much better. God, we want to be that people. God, we want to be hungry and relentlessly pursuing your kingdom on this earth. There is no one greater than you. You are the great I am. You are Yahweh. You are high and lifted up. The train of your robe fills the temple. You are worthy.
those sons and daughters relentlessly abandoned for your kingdom. Would you pour your spirit out upon us? Would you speak? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you reveal the incredible things you have in store? Exceedingly, abundantly beyond what we could ask or think. You are worthy, Jesus. You are high and lifted up. The heavens are your throne. The earth is your footstool. We give you our everything. In Jesus' name. I'm going to invite prayer teams to come up and pray as well. If that's you, I encourage you to come up. We want to pray for you. God's got incredible things in store. Let's, let's worship together. Thanks for joining us today for the latest news and encouraging words from Lighthouse. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and now Amazon Music. Just say, Alexa, play Come Alive podcast. I'm Pastor Dave O, and remember, we come alive through the power of Jesus Christ. I'm going to catch you next time on Come Alive. <laughs>